You are about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity podcast, episode number 24. My guest today is Bonnie Heyman. Bonnie is best known today as a very accomplished classical Pilates instructor. But the journey that brought her to today is what fascinates me the most. Bonnie and I found a lot to talk about. So let's get started. Hello, hello. It's your host, Mediocre Mitch. Before I get into episode 24, a couple of quick announcements. First of all, season one of the Meet Mediocrity podcast is approaching its conclusion. Today is episode 24. Episode 25 coming out next week will be our season one finale. And the great news is that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and seven other podcast platforms have already agreed to carry the Meet Mediocrity Podcast Season 2, which will begin in two weeks. Second of all, I released two videos this week. Both of those videos can be found on meetmediocrity.com by clicking on the videos Uh, menu item on the home screen. Those videos can also be found on the Meet Mediocrity YouTube channel. One of the videos I produced is my 2020 tribute to Father's Day. I'm a father and I have a father. So that makes me a borderline expert in Father's Day. Check out my video. I also released a highlight video of last weekend's Meet Mediocrity Family Fun Run 5K for Good Causes. The girls in my family supported rescue puppies, and the boys in my family supported frontline healthcare heroes. We had a lot of fun, and my highlight video shares all the highlights. Now on to today's guest, Bonnie Heyman. Bonnie is best known to me as a Pilates instructor that my wife, Magnificent Meredith, loves training with. My wife, Meredith, is a tough cookie, and Bonnie is a tough instructor. But getting to know Bonnie and hearing her story is really what inspired me. Bonnie's story started when she was started taking dance and piano lessons at the age of six. And that combination of dance and music was obviously a natural combination for Bonnie. To this day, she tells me that when she hears music, she instantly begins choreographing accompanying dance routines in her head. In fact, she sometimes relates Pilates to a modern form of dance. I don't want to steal any more of Bonnie's thunder. Let me kick off this conversation with a quick plug for Bonnie Heyman who can be found on Facebook and Instagram if you want to learn more about Pilates training with Bonnie. And you can also find Bonnie directly at her email address, BonnieMay052, that's B-O-N-N-I-E-M-A-Y-052 at AOL.com. So, without further delay... 
Here is my conversation with Bonnie Heyman. Okay, so Bonnie, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, you're welcome, Mitch. Um, I'm really happy to uh, have been asked to participate in this podcast with you. Very exciting for me. Well, it's super exciting for me, especially because I know you as um, a Pilates instructor that my wife trains with, and she freaking loves working out with you. <laughs> and um, she's told me a lot about you over the, the months that she's worked with you. And when I said to her, you know, Meredith, I really want to interview Bonnie for my podcast. And she said, you'd agreed. I was super excited. So, um, and one of the reasons I was excited, Bonnie, is because your journey from, you know, across your life from, you know, early ages through now is fascinating. So it, you're, you're, you certainly didn't start with Pilates. No. You're, 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 it started much, much before that. So I wanted to start by asking you to give us a little bit of your background and a little bit of your journey leading up to Pilates. Okay, um, I'd love to. Um, I started dancing at a very young, young age because I needed the strength in my legs. Um, and that took me through high school. And at the end of high school, I needed to go to college. So I decided that my major was going to be dance and um, what schools could I apply to and get into. So of mm -hmm. course I applied to three schools, um, two of which I could not get into, <laughs> and one which, which actually uh, um, invited me into their department, but they really didn't have a department. So they put me on an independent study which brought me into Manhattan to a, a very famous uh, dance choreographer, Mae O'Donnell, and she was part of the Graham world. And um, she and her partner, Gertrude Scher, had um, their technique was what was being taught by Norman Walker, who was the chairman of the department at Adelphi University. Um, so I was introduced through uh, Dowling College, which was at the time a sister college of Adelphi. I remember that. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so I auditioned for Adelphi. Of course, I was taking class in the city. I was living on campus out in Oakdale. And I would go in for one class and stay for and watch three others and memorize everything that was happening because I wanted to get into the advanced class so I could study underneath May. And um, it, I, did, I was able to do that at one point, um, and that was a, a huge win for me. Um, having said that, um, my, my experience at Adelphi wasn't necessarily terrific. Um, I didn't get in the first semester. Um, I had to reapply uh, and re-audition, but I got a re-audition, and I got in. And then for the next three years, I had uh, my, my career dancing and, and choreographing there. But what happened um, with the first, well, how do I want to put this? Um, I had a hip issue that I was born with genetically and an injury that I sustained during um, class at Adelphi put me into the hospital. So you, so you had injured an already compromised hip 
exactly. while dancing in college. Exactly. Okay. I'm with you. Exactly. And because um, I had, I, because I was in the dance world, I really had been introduced to the Pilates name, but I never really paid attention to it um, at that point. And anyway, so my dance career at Adelphi was really more choreographic. Uh, because I, be, I became known as the choreographer, and um, how did that how did that happen? So so you loved dance. You were a dancer. First of all, the fact that you danced with, you know, a, a compromised or not a hundred percent healthy hip is amazing in its own right. But um, what made you become known um, or interested in choreography versus performance? Because I'm highly creative and I'm very musical, and along with my dance training i've been studying classical piano my whole life um and i always hear when i hear music i see dance and it just was you know another one it, it worked for me and I, I love hearing stories like that so so i love when when you hear music you see dance i i love people who tell me that they they see art they see they they hear music in their heads that they could what you just said is is those are people that I find completely fascinating. So when you left Adelphi, you left being known as a choreographer. Right. And then okay. I applied to uh, one school for a master's in choreography, and that was California Institute of the Arts in Valencia, okay. California. And I was one of five students chosen for their master's program. Uh, in choreography, and I made a very huge decision uh, based on a conversation or two that I had with one of my mentors in dance. Um, and because I was putting myself through school, and I had debt already, they weren't giving scholarships and grants out the first year. So I decided, all right, I'm not going to go. I'm going to give it up. And um, if I want to make dances, I can make them in Manhattan. You know, it's not going to stop me. So um, don't know if that's the biggest regret of my life because it never felt like a regret. It just was a phenomenal uh, experience and a huge, huge uh, opportunity for me to have gone forward with it. But, you know, life, life gets in the way. Life and, always gets yeah. in the way. And, and you know what? That's just life. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing leads into another, which leads into another. And, you know, I could go on and on. I've met some phenomenal people. I've been very, very lucky with my teachers, my mentors. Um, and through the years, um, I just stayed very active. Um, I stopped dancing at 27 okay. and I started working in the city. <laughs> and I started working for the next 13, 12 and a half years in the accessory industry. Um, and during that course of time, I hated how my body looked, so I started weight training. Weight training brought me to uh, certain people that I met who thought that, hey, you have a really good natural body, you should bodybuild. And I'm like, what are you kidding? You <laughs> know, it's so funny. what I want to do. <laughs> and you know, people, people stereotype female bodybuilders, <laughs> but I have to be honest with you, I um, train with a guy who's a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And and he's is older than me, so he's in his sixties, and he's been bodybuilding for fifty years. And 
Oh, I think I, uh, Meredith mentioned him. I think I know him, and uh, we run have had run in the same circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and but but here's the thing. Um, you know, while people who aren't in the bodybuilding world might sit there and say a female bodybuilder, like, I don't get it, or that's weird. Mm -hmm. It's actually not. It's quite common. And frankly, it sounds like you had a little bit of success doing it. I had, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was fun for me. I enjoyed the competition. Um, and um, more importantly, so here's the lesson for me, um, having done bodybuilding, I had a problem with food that nobody knew about. And I met out in California, a nutritionist that took about 10 seconds flat to figure it out. I broke down crying. And then for the next year and a half, I worked with him specifically for my bodybuilding and for food. And, you know, it was just fascinating to watch my body become one thing to another naturally and 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 being able to eat food and being used using that food up like in a second so i was eating at the end of my so-called career my last show i was eating four thousand calories a day and i was starving so <laughs> and i was at six percent body fat so like, it's it's, it it's amazing okay. so you know again one thing leads to another which leads to another so i have spent the rest of my life uh eating this exact same way 90 percent of my life um and taking care of myself as healthily as possible with you know uh breaks in the way you know life gets in the way and um not always kind to myself but uh you know it, it's interesting uh, because when i ended up finishing bodybuilding, I was personal training. And through personal training, I started doing other things. And I was a personal trainer uh, for 15 years um, and nonstop from 5 a.m. until 9 o'clock at night, one right after the other. And that was uh, inside office. Personal, personal training. I mean, I know a few personal trainers. It, it, it can be exhausting because, because it is nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, it it has to be nonstop to make a living. I mean, that's just the way it, the business is. Right. Um, so you worked your butt off. Now, that wasn't doing Pilates at that point, correct? No, no, okay. no, no. That was not doing Pilates. And um, that was pre-Pilates. And that, um, we won't go through this, but I had two marriages along the way that didn't work out. And the second marriage I lived in Plainview and met somebody that was going through the program in the city at Power Pilates at that time. And she actually introduced me to classical Matt Pilates. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. This is modern <laughs> dance. This is Graham. It's, it's modern dance. Like, it's exactly what it is. Exactly. So here we go. So I went full force into uh, their comprehensive program. Um, during the course of that time, my second marriage broke up. And so, of course, I was on my own. <laughs> and, you know, I started teaching. And, um, and that just kept going and going and going. And I've been teaching now since 2000, the year 2001. Um, and uh, basically worked on Long Island for, let's see, New York Sports, and Equinox, and now Lifetime in Syosset. 
And, um, but along the way, I became known as, you know, the classical teacher um, of Pilates for the studios that I worked in and with. So teachers would come to me, clients would come to me. Um, I would approach people. I taught a lot of classes and those classes brought me to people, which networked me into other things and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I just kept teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And I got, you know, more and more in love with the uh, classical system of Pilates, uh, which is very, you know, different than somebody that would understand that there's two sides of the Pilates world. There's contemporary, there's classical. I live in the classical world, so I follow the Joseph Pilates, uh, um, his, his philosophy, his sequencing, his rhythms, his uh, timing, uh, his integration of exercises, and um, that's what I teach. Now, I'm a tough teacher, and along, you know, this is, I'm known for that too. Oh, she's so mean, oh my God, she's gonna yell at me. You can ask Meredith. Oh, you're a t oh, oh, I'm sorry. You said you're a t you said you're a tough teacher. Oh, I know you're a tough teacher. I'm tough, but you know, tough. What what is tough? You know, I make people accountable. I make my clients accountable. And if they're going to pay money to be taught, I'm not going to waste my time, my time, which is valuable, and I'm certainly not going to waste the client's time. So I do have expectations of the people that choose to study with me, they have to step up the game. And, you know, my job is to teach them safely the exercises and be able to, and this is what Pilates is all about, use the foundation and use the principles of Pilates in their everyday life, which if you read Joseph Pilates' Return to Life book, that was his whole reasoning for uh, movement in general. He looked at movement from, an, from a young child. So, you know, it's for every body, but it's not every exercise isn't for everyone. And, you know, it's the kind of a thing that um, I've worked with, probably this is the most important person that I ever worked with, was um, a, a lawyer who came down with a debilitating disease like ALS. And I met him when he was still able to walk and stand, but with a walker. And I started working with him. Um, and first thing that we did was, you know, I got him to stand up straight, his posture, and to be able to not lean over his walker. And okay, just walk towards me, look straight ahead. We went back down to the basics of what is walking, one foot in front of the other, okay? So, you know, and he worked with me for probably three years before he, there was no way that we could get him out of his wheelchair at that point. There was nothing I could do for him. He couldn't do it himself. And, you know, the key to uh, being a Pilates teacher is that we don't fix people. Um, we strengthen them. We're not physical therapists. We're not doctors. We don't diagnose. Right? So people from all walks of life come to uh, reach out to Pilates now um, because it's, it is known for healthy bodies as well as unhealthy bodies. And, you know, uh, 
that's pretty much that's pretty much it. That's that's uh, that's an amazing journey. So, a couple of things I heard there. Um, the thing that that interests me the most is how you know someone like you who was a dancer, a choreographer, you you were a bodybuilder, you were a personal trainer, and you landed on Pilates. Mm-hmm. And so now, mm-hmm. um, you know. Everyone I know, or at least certainly everyone who I know who listens to this podcast is is on some form of health and wellness journey. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say to someone who is kind of hasn't quite found their spot mm-hmm. or is tired of the spot they're in? So, you know, you know, so you know who I'm talking about, right? There are people who they try a million different things. They bebop around, they say they're exercising, they're really not. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people who, who are like the A type crazy people like me who find something, go at it full force, full force, full force until I completely make myself sick of it. (laughs) Um, So so you've got those two types of people, the wanderers and the driven types. Um, (laughs) So, so can you address those two groups of people? I'm sure there are many of them listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and say, you know, why might they, why might they try Pilates? You certainly landed on it. Why might they? Um, they may land on it. They may not land on it, but when they do land on it, and decide to stay with it, it's because of their very first experience being taught and the, the person that is teaching and how they communicate. Uh, so, let's assume, so let's assume they have a good first experience. Mm-hmm. Let's assume they have a good first experience with someone like Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, why is Pilates going to be something great for them? You've, this has kind of been your landing place and you stuck with it mm-hmm. and it's obviously helped you. What are some of the benefits that you think people who have bebopped around um, the fitness world, um, why, why do you think they would love Pilates? Well, um, I'm not sure how to answer that because, you know, we all bebop around. We all make pivots in our life journey. You bebopped and, around? Yeah, you better believe it. And um, But there's always been a tendency in movement for me. Um, Movement is not something that a lot of people are very afraid of uh, for a number of reasons. And a lot of people do not like to exercise, but are forced to exercise for a number of reasons. Very true. Those are the people that are the challenging uh, client that I want to give that first experience to, to so that they want to come back. It may have made them feel better than when they walked in. Mm-hmm. Even. So, you know, um, what do I teach? Um, Pilates, what Pilates teaches, of, it's mind-body connection, but it's not easy because it really works hand-in-hand um, hand, um, with your daily life. I want to be able to pick up something from the floor. So what do I have to do? I have to be able to kneel down, okay? So that's the lunge, okay? And I have to be able to use my glutes. I need to be able to stand back up again, which is my hip and my knee to stand up. I need muscle strength in my my glutes and my hamstrings, you know, and my quads. And, you know, this is just a a regular, basic, pedantic thing that we need to do. Or you want to pick up your grandchild. You can't because you're not strong enough in your upper body. 
So what does Pilates teach you? Pilates teaches you um, uh, alignment. It teaches you posture. It teaches um, the focus is breath because most of us don't breathe. Um, and there's a level of concentration that happens when the aha moments start to develop with the client and with the teacher. And um, it, every age group can do this. I've had, I had a client who was 92 years old that was taking class with me once a week for 12 years. She was the only one that knew every single exercise and could do still 10 push-ups fully down to the floor. Wait so, a minute. Time out. She yeah. did it for 12 years and she was 92, which means she only started when she was 80. Right, right. Right. So okay. let's. So that's, I. That's I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a lot of eighty-year-old <laughs> listeners. But let's say. Let's say there are some. Um, you know, forget about eighty. Like, let's talk about fifty or sixty. Mm -hmm. It's. You know, is it? Is it? I, I. I know the answer, but like, why is it never too late to start? It's never too late to start because the movement heals, and it. It. it movement makes you feel better. Um, lack of movement makes a body feel horrible. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, if you're so stiff and then you start walking around, well, what does that tell you? The more I move, the better I feel. So, you know, Pilates puts it together for you in a way that, um, as I like to say, transitions are part of the workout. Um, it's not just doing an exercise, it's but getting to the next one. So it's like walking one foot in front of the other. That's how I see it. And um, I am myself 65 years old this past May. I turned. I had a hip replacement uh, done, back, full posterior hip replacement done in uh, November of 2018. And prior to that, for the two years before, three years before, I was in tremendous discomfort and um, wasn't ready for the hip replacement because they wouldn't give it to me until I was ready. I had too many things going on with my hip. So they all had to come to a line. <laughs> and finally, I called this doctor that I had heard about, and I got an appointment. And he saw me two days later, and I was in the in surgery a week and a half after that. And that was the beginning of the next phase of my life, which um, was really not that long ago. And that yes. phase for me is the phase of um, true strength and how can I give to people and make a difference in their life? With so you uh, had a you had a hip replacement how many years ago, Bonnie? A year and a half. A year and a half ago, and and you'd mentioned earlier that you 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 had a compromised hip since you were a child. So, mm -hmm. um, obviously, you were strong. You were a Pilates instructor. You were Pilates trained. Um, going into and coming out of that hip replacement. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about, talk about recovery because yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the, the, how did, how did you recover? How did Pilates help? Okay. Um, did you do physical therapy? How did that help? I'm, I'm dying to hear about this. Uh, um, yeah. I uh, <laughs> immediately after the surgery, when they got me up um, to walk, I asked them to not hold me. I needed to feel the ground and I needed to feel the 
the the evenness of my legs all of a sudden now i have hips you know and and of course this is a hip replacement so it's not really level at the beginning um but i wanted to just feel myself hold myself up and and from that point on it was full force it was like where are the stairs let's do the stairs okay um, let me get up and walk around. Let me walk around a little bit further. Um, I stayed in the hospital for what, a day and a half. And um, I did not go to a rehab place. I was very, uh, I, I live here in um, Long Island and I have a two level cottage that has 13 stairs. And I knew that I had to get up and down those stairs and I live alone. Who's gonna help me, okay? So again, what are we going back to? We're going back to strength, the strength of the inside. What makes you move forward? Okay, I needed to be able to walk. I needed to be able to get my life back in order. And I was gonna do it no matter what. So um, I had, you know, the hospital sends you some people and she, they give you the exercises to do and I was doing them all day long. I'm sure you were. <laughs> all day long. And then, you know, within two weeks, um, you know, I was outside instead of walking, I was marching with my knee up to my shoulder, you know, and I was going and doing balance work and testing myself out. So by six weeks is when you start physical therapy. Right. Um, on the, that sixth week, uh, I said to myself, I have to get into PT and I'm really not a big fan of it um, because I think that there are, uh, are a lot of places that I have seen and been involved with, I've seen people go through or sort of, they just let the people go on their own. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're, you're a Pilates instructor. You're, you're in touch with your body. You probably knew what you needed to do. So I decided I was going to interview three different physical therapists. Mm -hmm. And I went to this one physical therapist that I was told about. And I just said point blank and said, listen, this is my living. This is what I do. Um, I move. I'm a Pilates instructor. I'm not looking for a physical therapist to teach me exercises. I need gait and I need balance. What can you do for me? And I ended up going with her because I liked her answers. And we worked together for about three months. I was going in twice a week. Um, and during that course of time, I had gone back to work at Equinox and I got myself onto the reformer. Um, but I, I do have to mention this, that, um, there is, uh, a manual on Pilates for hip and knee syndromes, uh, that a friend of mine wrote in, uh, with, along with two doctors. Um, and her manual is about classical Pilates, mat classical Pilates and how to rehab if you have a knee or a hip replacement. Mm -hmm. So I took that book out and I contacted her. Um, uh, and, um, I used that book along the way right through and I did everything I was supposed to do. Um, and I just decided not to rush myself. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to get back to work. I wanted to drive my car. I wanted to, you know, whatever. But I wasn't sure how this was going to turn out. And I just knew that I was strong and that I had to get stronger and that strength had to come from uh, a lot of different places. And, and it did. And I had, you know, uh, really it was sort of fun to rehab with, with this PT. 
Um, and afterwards, I just started teaching and I started weight training again. And I started to use all the apparatus, the Pilates apparatus. And I started to use the weight training uh, uh, machines that I was using in PT. And I was doing these things during the day when I had time off. And, you know, every single day I had something going on. And I just kept strengthening and strengthening and strengthening myself. My hip became, uh, it was an incredible recovery. Um, I was walking. I was doing things that I shouldn't be doing still. I was doing them within three months. Um, but uh, the biggest lesson for me is to maintain being mindfulness because we have a tendency to sabotage something that's getting better. Yeah. So that, that's where, that's what I was going. That was what I was going to observe. So you recovered, you recovered in pretty good time, but you know, even a, a classical Pilates instructor who was in great shape going into this hip replacement, you worked at it and you, and you um, were in that mindset that you were going to recover and you were going to recover, you know, in a, you know, quote unquote, as good as new. And, and, it, it takes that mind and body effort mm-hmm. to get that result. Yes. And I think that's something that you've been saying. It's, you know, Pilates enforces it, mm-hmm. but really you, your mind and body do need to work together to get these kinds of results. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you can't, you can't cheat. Right. It, right. Because it doesn't, it, there's no pay, there's no payout, there's no win. And, you know, it's your body. And it's your mind and it's, you know, uh, you just either you're going to do it or don't bother. And, you know, and this goes back to my teaching. Um, You know, I don't really fire clients, but there have been a few that have been very difficult to work with over the years. Um, But, you know, uh, again, you don't, this, we don't make a lot of money in Pilates. Okay. Typically, but we're going to change that. (laughs) Um, and, um, so, you know, it's a, it's an elitist kind of a thing. You have to be able to afford to take lessons and there's apparatus that are very expensive. So if you're going to do privates with any kind of a teacher, then, you know, go into it with the, you know, the head of, uh, I've got to learn this. I've got to do this. This is, I'm not wasting my money. Um, you're spending the money. You have to make it worth your money. You have to make it worth it. You have to make it worth it. And whether you love movement or not, if, you know, your doctor says you because you're overweight and you have diabetes and you have to start, you know, exercising, well, maybe Pilates isn't the place I would, you know, suggest you go to at first, but I would absolutely suggest, you know, something that had walking in it. Right. Whatever, you know, go to the park. Um, just start moving. Start it moving starts with movement. It starts with movement and it evolves, which is what, which is what you would, which, what you have been describing. Yes. And, and interestingly, um, just to make this, you know, a full journey, as I said in the beginning that I, uh, studied at Adelphi university and, um, over this past year, I have, um, been an adjunct. Uh, faculty for the Department of Dance and the dance majors teaching them classical Matt Pilates and at Adelphi. At Adelphi. Ah. So this is this is like my full journey. It's like wow, I love this, and um, I love working with the dancers. And this is I see myself doing more of that. 
So, so, it's, so it's a another, true full circle. You started, you started as a dancer, you went to, to Adelphi for dance, mm-hmm. and now here you are all these years later teaching Pilates, Pilates at Adelphi to dancers. Mm-hmm. 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 Bonnie, that's an amazing story. I love that story. Um, so Bonnie, I just want to ask one quick thing and and then and then wrap it up. Um other than other than um, teaching at Adelphi, I know that you're you're working with with my wife Meredith. Um, mm-hmm. Are you doing um, a lot of online training? Do you? I assume you have other other students as well that you're doing yes. um, online remote training for. Yes, um, I'm doing online training uh, training. If they're Pilates clients that have other types of, uh, they're basically yes, I'm doing online. If the client has other things like weight training apparatus there, we add that in, okay? Um, so they're getting a great workout one way or the other. Um, so, they don't need, so they don't need to have a reformer at home no, to be able to be trained no. by you? Basically with online, unless you don't, if you have apparatus, great, but most people don't, so they're right. learning their mat work. Okay. Which, you know, which is the, basic, the basis of, of all movement. And... Um, so even while we're waiting for gyms to, to reopen, um, people can train at home. They can train with Bonnie mm-hmm. and, and you'll, you'll get them started with whatever they have on hand or nothing if need be. Absolutely. I teach, um, I teach group. I teach privates. Um, I teach privately in two different studios on Long Island uh, in addition to my full-time job. Um, and... Um, and also I do at home. So um, if people want to get in touch with me, um, it, Bonnie Heyman is the name, H-E-Y-M-A-N. And my uh, Facebook is Bonnie May, M-A-Y-052 at AOL. That's my email. And that's Facebook is the same thing, Bonnie May 052. Instagram is the same. Uh, you can find me under Bonnie, Bonnie Heyman, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, I will put I will put all that information in the um, description for this podcast as well because Bonnie, you're an amazing you're an amazing person. Um, I know firsthand experience what an incredible Pilates instructor you are, and frankly, I I think your story is relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, whether it's bebopping from one thing to another to wanting to strengthen to rehabbing from some serious or not so serious injury. Um, we've all been there, done that. You've been there, done that. And you, you're someone I think people are going to want to meet. So Thank I will make sure to get your information out there. Thank you so much, Mitch. I uh, really am humbled by uh, doing this podcast with you. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I um, think that the most important you know, aspect of all of this is to keep moving and stay healthy. It's a perfect note to end on. Thank, Thank you so much, Bonnie. You're very, very welcome. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Bye-bye. Wow. What a great conversation. A dancer turned choreographer, turned bodybuilder, turned personal trainer, turned Pilates student, turned accomplished Pilates instructor, turned hip replacement recoverer, turned adjunct professor, 
and the story is not yet fully written. Here's what I love the most about Bonnie. She has not had it easy. You can just tell that she has had a long road to where she is today. But she does not sit around feeling bad when things get tough. She keeps moving and continues to push ahead. To have recovered from a hip replacement relatively recently and to resume her Pilates instruction at such a high level is inspiring to me. Also, I loved how Bonnie said that, A, it all starts and continues with movement, any movement, and B, it's never too late to start or start over. Those words of wisdom apply to me, and they can apply to any of us. So with that, here's the wrap-up. As we approach the end of Season 1 of the Meet Mediocrity podcast, I'm getting excited about Season 2. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please contact me, Mediocre Mitch, through the meetmediocrity.com website or at my email address, meetmediocrity at gmail.com. And until next time, please stay healthy, stay safe, keep smiling, and be well. Take care, everyone.